Welcome to Tom and David's Odd Shaped Balls, a weekly look at all things rugby and NFL. So, last weekend of the Six Nations, mm. some interesting results. Indeed. Should we start with the most interesting one? Yes. I mean, probably uh, no one... I, pres- I presume the Italian team was handing out Lemoncello in Cardiff. <laughs> I, I, I presume this is the only reason. But Wales looked atrocious. Yes, they did. And Alan Wynne jones did not look fit. Mm-hmm. And they said that they were going to give him his 150th cap in front of a home crowd. Yeah. And even that statement sounded like they knew he wasn't fit. And he's a fucking god amongst men. And to play him when he wasn't, you know, fit, it just seems bonkers. Mm. It's a sh- huge lack of respect for Italy. And Italy responded in kind. Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've, we haven't been uh, shy about slagging Italy off on this, uh. on the pod. But I do think, I think you're right. I think, um, Interesting that Alan Wynne Jones didn't make that, that decision for himself and just say, like, presumably not. You're not, I don't think players get to pick themselves. Well, I mean, in terms of saying whether he was fit or not, oh, right, because like you've you know, Sam Warburton famously used to when they asked him to come back, would be like, I'm not ready yet, I need a few right. games for Cardiff before I get my right, you know, up to speed. But obviously, Alan Wynne in the back of his mind was like, it's only Italy, yeah, it's like that Ray Parler, it's, it's, only, it's only Ray Parler, <laughs> it's fine, he's gonna put it in a top bag. But um, they they came to Cardiff with like a level of passion that I don't think has been seen since the Sergio Parise years. Yeah, uh, yeah, their back three were just brilliant, and their their tight five were fighting for the ball on the ground. Won all those penalties mm. fair and square. They were, you know they were controlling the ball on the ground mm. and completely the the tight five of. Uh, of Wales were not doing the same. They weren't fighting mm. for it. And uh, it shows you that if you nap against them, then... Yeah, if you are fully asleep, yeah. <laughs> if you are not conscious, if you're laid horizontally, <laughs> they do have a chance. Yes, yeah, that, that yeah. that's definitely, definitely a chance. Yeah. And it's going to put to bed all this talk of them being kicked out. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, Georgia wouldn't do that to... Uh, and, and Wales beat South Africa in the last autumn. God. series so um i i was wondering like did pivac just say to all the boys like last game feel free to go out and have a beer enjoy yourself and then they've all turned up the next day and he's like well let's beg for it isn't it <laughs> 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 ah fucking hell <laughs> i mean i mean you can only think is that they, they didn't give it the respect it deserves Literally, yeah. Italy were great though. They, let's not just say that Wales didn't turn up. Italy did turn up. Really good. Yeah. Who's that fullback? Cappuccino, whatever his name Cappuccino is. Cappuccino is his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was phenomenal. He uh, Adams gave the man of the match to. Yeah, which was that's a very sweet uh-huh. moment. But again, that smacks of lack of respect to me. Because if you've lost like a worthy opponent and you've right. won man of the match, you wouldn't be like, here you go, pal. Yeah. You can have this. It's the kind of thing you do to like your little brother, where you're like, you've beat me once. You beat me once. Here you go. Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's got a patronising air to it. Well, we'll see what happens in Rome in a year. Yeah, where they lose all, all the games again. <laughs> this is, I mean, you know, it's something, for them, something for them to hang on to for another seven years. Yeah, let's hope it's not one every seven years. Mm. And I say that as a Scots fan. It's, um, they, they, yeah. I mean, it does worry. Because the parallel to Scotland is that they used to beat England sort of once every ten, didn't they? And that was enough. Yeah. That was enough to like hang on for the next decade. Yes. Um But you yeah. <laughs> now it, Scotland can only beat England. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting flip. Maybe that'll become the case of Italy and Wales. 
Yeah, it's like their it's like their bogey team. Yeah, that they just can't beat them. Yeah, yeah, because because of, of you know the 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 centuries of bad blood between those mm. two nations. Famous rivalry. <laughs> Joe Calzaghe's like, come on, boys, can we not sort this out, please? <laughs> Joe Calzaghe's a bat ambassador for both. <laughs> My father came here in the forties, set up a fish and chip shop. I also love that every because my um, Italian grandparents did a similar thing. They set up like fish and chip shops in Leeds, and they were like, "I love that every Italian immigrant came to the country. Like, we can uh, cook this food better than them. Even <laughs> this a slop they make, <laughs> it's going to be better than their slop. <laughs> they put the fish in the batter. Oh my god, it that stinks. Well, but why didn't they set up an Italian restaurant? I think because they I presi- just knew that Leeds people would go for pasta. Still not. Still won't. Oh. Well, I mean, they love, love stodgy carbs. We do, and to be honest, I mean, I'm Leeds. I mean, that's the name you go by. Yeah, stodgy carbs. Yeah, that's my that's my Twitch streaming profile. In case anyone's <laughs> wanting to play Red Dead later, um, I didn't understand a word you just said. Twitch streaming profile. It's what game. It's what when you play online games. If you say so. With the youths, it's one of the the the, the Italian under twenties are big into it. <laughs> This this running joke that you're a paedophile is going to come back and haunt you. Yeah. Well, I think I've got I've got the most. My, my face is my most plausible excuse. <laughs> it's like I've got like that. You know the. I, I just didn't grow up. <laughs> it's, the Michael, it's the Michael Jackson defense. He's a child at heart. Is not a defense in court. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. Well, then I need to brief a lawyer. Because <laughs> a lawyer told you it is. He said he was a lawyer. I met him in Westfield. Is that not a good place to pick up legal defence? Yeah. What were you picking up there? Um, well, he claimed he was very, he was getting clients. <laughs> I thought it was very strange that he insisted on the bathroom being the meeting point. Uh, did you, <laughs> well, at least it wasn't the child's playpen. No, no, because he can't stay within 50 feet of that either. So that was... That put the kibosh on that meeting. Look, uh... Enough talk about dirty old men. Let's talk about Eddie Jones. <laughs> Segways. <laughs> um, I wanted to say, because everybody has got the long knives out for him, and this statement from the RFU is ridiculous. Isn't it? But I think he's doing now what he should have been doing straight after the World Cup. Go on. And, well, after the World Cup, they absolutely shat the bed in the final. Mm-hmm. He didn't take three scrum halves uh, to the World Cup. He didn't take an extra tight head. And both of those things stung him in the arse. And he didn't immediately start to develop. Uh, you know, Ben Youngs was atrocious in the World Cup final. Mm-hmm. He, he passed into the crowd mm-hmm. twice. Twice, yeah. And... And Eddie Jones didn't think, well, the first thing I do when I get back to England is start looking at some other scrum halves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's finally turning things around. He's finally coming away from picking players that Lancaster did. And there is going to be... But it is it is late. He should have been doing it straight after the World Cup, but at least he is now doing it. Yeah. Because they were for a while they were boring, but they were winning. Mm-hmm. And then they were boring and losing. And now at least they're interesting and winning and there's something new and they're green shoots. Yeah, I thought like the Slade, some like Slade and Marchant showed some interesting touches yeah, over the Freddie weekend. Yeah, Stewart is brilliant. Yeah, fa- absolutely fantastic. I still don't... I understand what they were trying to do by playing Furback, Furbank at fullback and they wanted Stewart further forward for some of those more... Was Furback there? 
<laughs> I, know, I, I saw his name on the team sheet. <laughs> uh, I'm not entirely sure if he was at the game. Yeah, you can always you can always tell that that, that mustache leaves a a mark. Um, the uh, I, I can kind of understand what they were trying to do, but it feel like you're on a very simple level, just moving one of your best players out of their best position. Yes. Just felt like, why couldn't you just get Freddie Stewart chasing a few more kicks tactically rather than you have to play him out of position in order to do that? Yeah, I mean... I mean also, what they lacked attack. That's what everybody's been saying the whole tournament. Mm -hmm. So why bringing a less attacking player? Yeah, and, and also a very different player to Freddie Stewart. So it's obviously not like you're playing the same... Yeah. pattern or anything like that you play you must be playing completely differently because you've got a distributing sort of tricksy fullback yeah. rather than a hard running yeah rangy fullback yeah. which means you've obviously got a different point of view on what that position is doing for you uh, yes. at a very simple level the fucking thing that um blew my mind was the ellis genge give it give it big lad yeah for the back fit back <laughs> of the field. yeah it was a very strange tactic wasn't it because i thought maybe they're doing that because they want they don't think Sam, because usually that's where your number eight goes, right? Yes. So I, I wondered if they were like, oh, Ellis Genge does that a couple of times, throws their French kicking game off, and it's consciously to put Sam Simmons somewhere else. Right, yeah. So they want to like play towards Sam Simmons, you know, in the next phase. But they didn't. And yeah. it, was, it was just as simple as give it to the big lads. Yeah. And let the big lad truck it up, which feels a bit under 12s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're going to analyze it. <laughs> I, who... Where is the attack? I mean, Marchant's a good attacking player, but mm -hmm. it was nice seeing the centres getting to play like centres, yeah, and to be and be threats and not be like just extra pivot points for yes a fly half, yeah. That was that was encouraging. I thought, yeah, because uh, I mean, who they really need is uh, Esterhausen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Esterhausen. Yeah, wasn't South African. That's a shame. Yeah, because they need somebody to punch a hole in the middle of the field so that it. Because in rugby, you're always really doing a play for the next play. The kick yeah. is to stretch the field. The the, the big lad going up the centre is to try and get as many people to that needed to stop him or ruck the ball in order for there to be less people in the next play yeah. for for your attacking players to be able to spread the field. If you haven't got... Because for all of Henry Slade's talents, punching a hole in the midfield is not one of them. No. And... And Marchant is good, and he's you know he's that hybrid between a, a centre and a, 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 winger. a winger. But he he's not he's not top level powerful amongst a big centre. No. So where where why in England don't we have any? Because it basically we talked about this also, and everybody has said this when Mano Tenangi is and around they they they've got no other answer. No, no. There must be some other big players. Yeah, like Atkinson. But they never even looked at him though, have they? No. Because Don the, the try France scored just before half time, I think, is a great example of this. Yeah. So France, the attacker kind of stalled. They're in, in you know ten meters out. The attacker kind of stalled a little bit, and Dante literally puts his hand up and just goes, "Give it to me." Just waves at Dupont, says, "Give it to me." Bit of footwork, go forward, big lad. Mm. Just goes forward, quick rook ball, and then they score three phases later in the in the corner. And that, when I was watching with my brother, I was like, "That is what we don't have. We right. don't have that confident physical presence." Doesn't really matter where it comes from. It could be number eight, could be a twelve, uh -huh. could be you know. I agree with you. It'd be nice to have an option there there at twelve, but even if it was an eight or a six, we don't really have that human who's like, just give me the ball. I will just get us three yards forward yeah. and get us moving well, quickly. Simmons and Dumbrant can do that, but they don't seem to be using him in that way. Well, I think, do you not think Simmons is, he's not an elite level power player. 
he's got a lot to his game. I think Don Brandt is clever enough. Like when he got held up over the line and he almost yeah. scored, that's what Alex Donbrand brings. Like he punches above his weight because he's so clever with his yeah. lines and his angles. And mm. I agree. I think he can offer a huge amount. And I would have him in above Simmons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what Simmons can do for Exeter, he just can't do it international level because, right. you know, he's he's half a yard quicker than everyone at club level. Right. He's but more, he's not. Uh, but he's not international level. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't know why they didn't use Dunbright in that way. Cause it's such a shame he got held up on that. Yeah, and, and with the new rules, obviously, I mean, you don't build yeah. pressure. You just get the yeah. hoofed back. Is that a good new rule? I was thinking that. It feels... It, I kind of... I understand what they're trying to stop. They're trying to stop that exit style pick and go. Right. Or, like, driving malls becoming so dominant because right. you get, keep getting held up over the line until eventually the team buckles. Yeah. So it works to solve that, but in a situation like Don Branch, you think, oh, you, sh- you want to be rewarded for, yeah. you know, you- you're playing well, you're attacking, and then that's just nullified. Yeah. Tricky one. Um, I think I do think, did you see some of the uh, reaction in the stadium afterwards? No. Oh, my God. Like, so they've, they've brought a DJ into the Stade de France. So they, the DJ plays before and after the game. Right. And they started doing this really cool thing before the game where they'll announce the players by going like, Antoine, and then the crowd goes, Dupont. Oh, they know. And yeah, because there's they're like, like Roman, and the crowd goes, Antamak. <laughs> and it creates this like crazy environment. Does he not play afterwards if they lose? The DJ? Yeah. I think he just plays like a sad waltz. <laughs> <laughs> just like Beethoven, you know, G major, just something minor key. When we G major, A minor, something reflective. Yeah. But, but like, fans didn't leave for like an hour. Yeah. And um, what was really cool in an old school rugby move, seeing players like run back onto the pitch, like in a state of undress with like beers in their hands, like high fiving the crowd. <laughs> like that's like old school yeah. rugby. And it's so cool to see the best team in the world currently yeah. is like embracing that side of the game. Yes. Just like have a few cans. Get naked. Get naked. If in doubt, have a few cans, get naked. Is that a defensive call? Can I use that one? <laughs> I'm a rugby player. Is that part of it? <laughs> Why are you drunk and naked? I'm a rugby player. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> You're off. You're out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because uh, yeah, I thought that was so cool yeah. that the way the f- the way this French team has been uh, brought into the um, public's heart and apparently, by all counts, Dupont and Smack Aldry have as much fame in France as like uh, Pogba or Mbappe. Yeah, I mean. I don't know anything about netball, so I don't know who that is. <laughs> my, my handball knowledge is limited. <laughs> That's, isn't that weird that sports never took off anywhere outside of like Central and Eastern Europe? It's really fun. Have you, have you watched handball at the Olympics? I haven't, though. It's like, it's like the, you know the game in PE you would invent? Yeah. It's like that. Mm. It's, like a lot, it's like we've got these dodgeballs here and we're sort of like playing rugby, but we don't really want to smash each other in the, on the gym floor. <sighs> Well, that's cowardice. <laughs> Handball, rugby for cowards. <laughs> that's the new marketing campaign. Not brave enough to play rugby and not have enough skill to play football. Handball. <laughs> Handball. So rather than seeing it as the perfect hybrid of two, it's actually the worst. The worst. I think I think we found out why it hasn't caught on. Yeah, there we go. Solved. <laughs> Next, David and Thomas. Solve sporting mysteries. So, what do you think about this statement for the RFU? I think it it just reads like a bunch of. I mean, it was interesting they didn't they didn't put a name on it. Yes. So, like, we back Eddie. We think he's made progress. Which, 
We, the undersigned. Yeah. No one assigned under. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where's the name? Is it the bomb? Um, and I think just the words they use, like progress. So just in, objectively, there is no progress because you lost. You won two games last year. You won two games this year. You've scored fewer tries this year. Yes, but I'm going to defend it a bit. I, I think they they were, they are a better team than they were last year. In terms of? Passion, uh, excitement, uh, general sort of. They were, they were, a, they were a weak string of piss last year, and the way they were playing with the just kick chase. Yeah, was it was it was a way that w- would would less people will be playing rugby in ten years' time if England continued to play that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they make the sport look boring. Yeah, yeah. And so. Yeah, who who are you ultimately doing it for? For the fans. The fans pay your wages. The fans, mm. and the, the, you know, it, what you were describing in France, this idea of this unity between players and supporters. Mm. And and Eddie just going out again, I think they'll, it, they won't care. It's boring if they win. And they did. They were boring and won for a bit, and then they were boring and lost for a bit. Yeah. And we went, oh, how about we just at least try to play? Yeah. And they did try, I think. They did. And I think... That's terrible. This this is the thing, David. (laughs) This is the thing. Whenever anyone tries to make an excuse, they're like, well, they give it a good go, didn't they? And it's like, yes, they did. But last year, they didn't give it a good go. Well, they probably gave it a good go physically. It just probably didn't translate. It doesn't translate to passion the same way. There was like very visible um, examples of passion in this campaign. Like Ellis Genge being asked to do everything and manfully doing it and only giving away like that's Marantoji's got even better. Yeah. And Jamie George, I think, had a massive resurgence and Will Stewart coming in on tight head. Like all these players have yeah. Carl Sinclair back to his best. Like yeah. they're all bright spots. Henry Slade looking, you know, there's there are Fred, Freddie Stewart, obviously there are big bright Courtney Laws just like inhumanly good. For that long as well. Yeah. He made his debut in two thousand and eight. Yeah. That's wild. Um but I do think that Eddie Jones in particular, trying to bully up England. We've had a good campaign because we showed a lot of spirit. That's that's like, again, that's like under-13s, yeah. amateur rugby kind of chat. That's not... Bearing in mind, you remember after the World Cup, after the 2019 World Cup? He said that he wanted them to be the best team in the world. Ever. ever he yeah. said our goal is to be the best rugby team ever. But he should have he should have started developing young players then. He keeps on going about these players being unexperienced. Mm. And it's a new side. One... It's only one third of the team that's new. Yeah. And two, they're the same age as the core of the France team. It's just the France team starting to blood their talent so much earlier. Yeah, at club level as well yeah. as internationally. Like Antoine Dupont was playing for Castling at 18, yeah. um, which makes a huge difference. Yeah. He's getting to play you know, men's rugby a lot a lot sooner. Um, I, I, just, I think this whole like World Cup obsession is such an easy talking point. For, I don't think coaches even believe it half the time. It's just like if I had a bad tournament, like you wait until the World Cup. But the idea that you are just building up to like four games and you're not building a pattern of behavior, like New Zealand and South Africa don't take games off. No. And the best teams in the world, when they're really on the way to winning the World Cup, you know, Australia in 99, England 2003, they don't, it's not like we're terrible and then miraculously six months before World Cup, we start playing well. South Africa did loss. They were terrible. They, they were terrible until the World Cup final. And then England, I guess, to argue against myself, England in 2018 weren't very good and then were very good for three or four One games. Game. In, yeah, for three or four games game. in 2019. But again, okay. it's a very... 
one game. One game. First ten minutes of that game were then held on for dear life. Yeah. Well, exactly. I think. I think. I mean, I know you. I think. I think you're actually making a really good point. I think both South Africa and England could have easily lost that tournament, lost that um, final, and then like what were what were the last four years about? Yeah. I thought Chris Jones. It was being facetious, but that was a really funny point. That um, what do we do in the meantime? We just give all the fans discounts on tickets. Yeah. Like if if you if you're a comic and you like come see my work in progress show. You, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Yeah. Because it's not finished, right? Yeah. So, like, for, if Eddie Jones is insistent that, like, yeah, the, the Six Nations is a work in progress, then can we have tickets at twenty quid, please? Yeah. If that's the if that's the makes case, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot. The Six Nations shouldn't be a warm up tournament. No. It's the Six Nations. It's one of the, I, I love the Six Nations. I love the culture of the Six Nations. Yeah. In some ways, more than a World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Um, I think the the frequency of it's like familiarity breeds contempt sort of thing. Like the, the frequency with which you play in these teams really gives you like a depth to the rivalry. Yes, um, a meaning to the rivalries. Yes, rather than just like we might be playing a team we haven't played for years mm-hmm. in, a, in a in a pool game. It doesn't have the same. And also, well, let's be honest, rugby World Cups, nothing really matters until the quarterfinals. Yeah, really. Yeah, well, um, that's Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> and and Scotland. Yeah, for that matter, kill for a quarterfinal. Um, but for us English folk, it is yeah, like it's only like the last three games of the tournament that really make a difference anyway. Yeah. Whereas I, I get very passionate about playing the Ivory Coast. No, no, not when it's you can have a cricket score. Yeah. Easy peasy. Um, yeah, Danny Kerr was. Um, I remember him saying to me once, like, it, his things World Cup caps are only ever against Uruguay. He has like two World Cup caps against Uruguay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. yeah, we've had such a long. Career. No Lions caps and two World Cup games, both like cricket scores. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no good. What do you reckon, um, what do you reckon Eddie's saying to those players in camp the next time they're together? I do think, do you think they, they must still believe in him, right? The players, the players must still. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, diff- he he seems to bring people in very quickly and then dismisses them again, which... Yeah. We, uh, I, I think he should have developed... I just, yeah, I come back to the fact that he should have started with a clean piece of paper. I don't mean, like, thrown every... Like, not giving anybody a cap from yeah. Yeah, 19. Yeah, yeah. But he should have started again and brought through a bunch of new players and given them a few times, because now he's saying it's all about the World Cup and the World Cup is just over a year away. Well, you, if it was all about the World Cup, you should have started... After yeah. the World Cup. Yeah. Do you know what, mate? I cannot wait for that press conference. If England... Because obviously, they, they have to win the World Cup, right? Yeah. To be successful, to justify all this, they have to win the World Cup. So I can't wait for that press conference when it's a quarter-final exit or a semi-final exit. I just can't wait for whatever he's going to say. I think it's... Yeah. Yeah, well, mate. You know, there's another World Cup in four years' time. Yeah, and I'll be... Ma- Judge me on that. Yeah. I'll be managing uh, Wales during that period of time. I wonder... Because he did, say, did he say something about that? It took him like five years to emotionally get over losing the World Cup final to England for with, when he yeah. was Australia's coach. I think it's like his white whale, isn't it? Yeah. And he his maniacal personal desire to win a World Cup as a as a head coach, yeah, almost like distempers everything around him. I wonder how he, or in the cold light of day, will will think because I mean he is the Trump we've talked about this that he just says yeah lies just to just to sort of like like put out his truth 
Yeah. Uh, and surely, if you got him alone, he'd be like, ah, fucking hack trial, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Freddie Stewart's going to play six in the next game. <laughs> Six positions, that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. I wonder if he's in like a purse in, in his personal moments, he's in like a death spiral. <laughs> or if, because I would imagine one of his arguments for why he focuses on the World Cup is like, oh, it's all very well and good England winning the Six Nations, mate, but like the big tournaments out there. Whereas under his tenure, it is boom and bust. Yeah. So like, well, you win two games, you win one, you win two games, three games, or you win the, the whole mm. thing. And that isn't. I could understand if it was like, yeah, we're, we're still we're still winning Six Nations titles. Maybe not Grand Slams, but we're still winning Six Nations titles yeah. pretty regularly. But then the goal is to kick on from that into a World Cup. Yeah. But he's made us worse at the thing we used to be good at. Yeah. And you're still, you know, lost in a World Cup final. It's, it's beggar's belief, really, isn't it? Yeah. But, I think uh, I think I think Andy Farrell's in a much happier place. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we should talk a little about how I looked. I mean, that they. They look in pretty good nick, don't they? Yeah, they do. I mean, I think I would be. I think it'd been so interesting if they'd have played France last rather than first. Yeah. Because I think they've really Ireland have really grown as the tournaments yeah. gone on. I think they've really started to believe in this game plan, yeah. um, and the players are executing it really well. And I think if they'd have had France last, I think that'd have been very tasty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still think France better than them. Me too. I just think it, I just think it would have been like a. A much more competitive. I mean, the first it game was, was a competitive game. It, it, it was a brilliant game. It All was. this and, uh, destruction about England. It was they they went toe to toe with the best team in the world. Oh, of course they did. Oh, sorry, I meant the Ireland France game at the start of the tournament. Oh yeah, that was pretty dreary. Um, and I think, <laughs> <laughs> and I think if they'd have played last, it would have been yeah very very exciting. But yeah, it, yeah you'd be thrilled if you were Ireland. I mean, they've yeah. they've, they've found like an identity. It's modern. It. You, Use, uses the best of their best players. I just think it would be still because they've never won a, a knockout game in the World Cup ever. I know. It'd be kind of funny if they didn't win one next time. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Wouldn't it? All this prep. So cruel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they get spanked by and they, Australia. It's some sort of curse. We have a curse <laughs> against us. We can't win the quarterfinals. It's it, it's it's brutally tough. Um, for that team to be so good in between World Cups, and then it comes to the tour, I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope. That, that that Keith Wood, uh, Keith Wood's probably my favourite player of all time. Mm -hmm. The uh, Irish and Lions and Harlequins hooker. Um, at side of his in 1999, mm -hmm. I thought oh, this is their year, mm -hmm. and then they didn't even get to the quarterfinals. It was that one year that there was a the people that didn't win their group. Had a second. There was oh a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a round one and a half. Yeah, They yeah. only did it one World Cup, and they lost in that that round. So they didn't even get to the quarterfinals. Yeah. And I was like, they got some of the best. They had Brian O'Driscoll, Keith Wood. Mm -hmm. It was an amazing side. Mm -hmm. and they still didn't manage it. Yeah, and they, and they had a great side in two thousand and three as well. And they yeah. lost lost to Argentina, didn't they? In the yes. in the group stage, before Argentina were yeah a sort of powerhouse in world rugby. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree. It would be hilarious. Would sorry, be hilarious. sorry, Irish fans, but it would be fucking hilarious. Um, and as a Scot, I have to take my joy where I can. Because you guys are in the same group, aren't you? Yes. So imagine if you spoil Ireland's. It's not going to happen, is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's South Africa, Scotland, and uh, so Scotland are fucked. Fucked, aren't they? 
Like, how do you, if you're Gregor Townsend, presume, I mean, presumably, what do you mean if? <laughs> he reveals his face mask. <laughs> um, if you're, if, if Gregor Townsend takes Scotland to the World Cup, what's he legit, legitimately? Like, not the not the party line you give people, but like in your in your depths of your soul, what are you thinking going into that that pool? Well, yeah, I mean things don't look good, but. I, mean, I don't know if I've got rose-coloured glasses. I don't think Scotland or England are that far away, despite having horrific World Cup um, Six, Six Nations. Nations. They have had horrific Six Nations. I'm not coming away from that. And I don't want to sound like Joe Judge last year with the mm. Giants saying, oh, we're not that far away. Um, but I do think, I mean, it did show that without Van der Merwe, Scotland doesn't have any... Really, I mean, Darcy Graham's a great little player, but he is a little player. Very little player. Um, and as um, the last coach of the All Blacks was his name, Steve Hansen. Steve Hansen always says, "Yes, you know, uh, the problem is, is that on any given day, a good big player will beat a good small player." And Darcy Graham is a great little player, yeah. but when he came up against those Irish backs, he just couldn't get anywhere. No way. Yeah. And Duan is, yeah, you know, seems to be their only. Their own yeah. weapon of size, yeah. and he's getting a red card for um, Gloucester, and mm. having to sit out the last two weeks. Really exposed. I suppose he's Scotland's uh, Manu. He is, and I think the other interesting impact he has is when he's not there. Stuart Hogg overplays massively, right? Yeah, because I think Anki feels like he has to do. I think mean, that's Stuart, one of Stuart Hogg's Achilles' heels, anyway. That he feels like he has to do too much. Yes, but when Duan's not there, he yes. like that goes into overdrive. Yes. Yeah, um, and there was a, I saw a, an incredible try that he played against uh, did it against Ireland on social media this week, and I just went, yeah, he hasn't got that pace anymore, has he? No, um, no, and he hasn't developed the other bits of his game. So he hasn't developed the guile. So when fullbacks get a bit old, usually they get like their ball skills get better, their right. positional sense gets better. And I, the, the more this tournament's gone on, the more I'm like, I think they have to get rid of him as captain. Really? Yeah. Because uh, a friend of mine was only the same. Uh, Irish American, mm. uh, as I talked about um, in uh, a previous episode, he said that he thought that he's a great, he's a great athlete, but not a great captain. I think it's the other way around. I don't think he's a great athlete. I think he is a great captain. He's a great all-round rugby player, interesting, and good man and good egg. And as, uh, mm. uh, but he just doesn't have the pace that he had as a younger man anymore. Mm. Well, interesting that he was one of the key players breaking that curfew. Was he? Yeah, it was him, Ali Price, Finn, and one other player. Who broke that curfew between the, the well, this game and the Italy? Yeah. It, oh yeah, it's the it, Italy game. Which, to be honest, I think I don't blame the players. I blame the rule. Like, mm. what do you mean you can't have a beer after a game? Yeah. What a ridiculous rule to impose on yourself. Yes. That's mental. I mean, there is still worries about people getting COVID, isn't there? It's not entirely. Uh, yeah, apparently that was part of it. Yeah. But still, I, I don't know, man. Like, if, if the general. I think if the general public's allowed to do something, it's very yeah. hard to ask a playing group not to do something. Yeah. Um, but equally, if a member of the public gets COVID mm -hmm. and they're not the linchpin to their national side, <laughs> slightly less consequences. Desp despite what Dave down the red line tells you, <laughs> you are not essential to the fortunes of your national sports team. Yeah, you're not essential to anything. Anything? Anyone? No one will miss you. Just the bridge is that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I, I, 
just to round up, I think there are exciting things about Scotland. There are exciting things about England, but there is no getting away from the fact that they both had god awful tournaments. God awful tournaments, and I agree. The Joe Judge thing is a really good parallel because I think it's very tempting when you're in elite level sport. I think it's always very tempting to say like we're close because you you see in training how good the players are and you yeah. see what they're capable of. Obviously, elite level sport it comes down to tiny tiny margins. So not being that far away can be 15 points, yeah. can be 12 points. And in, and that's it's what's challenging about sport, it's what's exciting about sport, but it's what's fucking difficult. Um, and interestingly enough, I think in the NFL at the minute, there is a similar thing going on with this quarterback carousel. Yeah. So you see Deshaun Watson's now signed for the Browns. Yes, uh, in one of the most horrific moves <laughs> in civilised uh society it's just just ridiculous yeah yeah i mean speaking of you know, we thought the rfu statement was bad the cleveland brown statement uh, the no. cleveland brown statement reads like oh he done something wrong has he did he so obviously deshaun watson's had um allegations of um certainly sexual assault and sexual misconduct um alleged against him settled in a civil case rather than criminal case um but the cleveland brown statement was we understand there are a few legal issues around deshaun and we will allow those to be solved in the in the judicial system. But it's the language of like we understand that it's like something we've heard something. Yeah, rumors. Well, I mean, I I don't know the details myself. Mm. As in, you know, and as most of the people commenting it don't know the details. Yeah, there was something highly suspicious. Of he said he never wanted to play for the Texans again, and slagged off the ownership, and these sexual. Uh, allegations came out the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that half of the women that piled on at the beginning have retracted their statements. So I'm sure he... Um, I'm sure that he... Uh, I don't think that the there's no uh, smoke without fire type thing is um, a, a trite yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think that there's a very high chance he's not been a very pleasant person. Uh, but equally, what happened to uh, guilty until innocence? The the weird thing is, is he's got a pay rise for all of this. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's, I think his average earnings is gonna be like forty three million a year or something. Unbelievable. Yeah, and he probably is gonna have to sit out the first year. So this is the thing. So I reckon they reckon Cleveland might keep Baker because Baker Mayfield right. immediately re requested a trade. Sure, but Deshaun Watson might be missing for they haven't decided what his suspension is. So they could keep Baker Mayfield for six games, and the, the trade deadline is week six. So they could keep Baker Mayfield for six games. What do you do if you're Baker Mayfield? Do you use those six games to be the best shot window possible to get a trade, or do you just go, fuck you, and sit out? I think, I know what you should do, and what I think he will do. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. what you should do is be the shop window, because it doesn't help you to be angry and surly or whatever. You know, if you've got a chance to put up some numbers and be attractive to a team, because loads of teams need quarterbacks. Yeah. And if you and if you put up good numbers and you show that, like, hey, it wasn't me, it was a team. Yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm capable of doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. NFL has very short memory. You know, someone's going to take a chance on you. If you sulk and pout and don't play, you know, don't ball, then people are going to be like, don't ball. I tried it on. I, I tried it on. <laughs> Didn't see you. Didn't work. It's like a fedora. That's the fedora of phrases. <laughs> I like the colour orange. Looks good on some people, not on you. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a linguistic orange suit. 
Um, but I think if if he if he chose to not play well, then a lot of people I think he could go. This is the interesting about about the NFL is there's so many careers where like this guy was the hottest thing, best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. And then you 18 months you're like he's not even on a practice squad. Yeah. And it can happen that fast. RG three. Yeah. Absolutely. Greatest uh, rookie t- uh, season, season ever. of anyone ever. Yep. And that is the only season he's really ever had. Yeah. Exactly. And obviously he got some horrific inju- injuries, yeah. but. Even taking injuries away, so many players have like a bright moment in the sun yeah. and then three or four years later, just nowhere. Is it is part of that because there is no second division? Yes. Because if, if there was a second division, they could fall off, go play in the second division, rebuild their confidence, their game, get fit and healthy and have a, have a second summer. Yeah. But because there's nowhere else to fall off to, quarterbacks... You, what do you do as a backup quarterback? You just, I mean, you throw a lot in practice, don't you? Yeah. And you run you run the scout team usually, so you run the opposition team. But you don't get an opportunity to ball. No balling. <laughs> Limited balling. Limit. There you go. We got the we got the episode title. <laughs> Limited balling. <laughs> sounds like that sounds like me on a Friday night. Limited balling. Yeah. Medium. Mid mid ball. Mid to big balls. Mid to big ball. Mid to big ball. Yeah, um, so that I think that's gonna be fascinating because he contractually Baker Mayfield, sorry, contractually has to stay with Cleveland unless they release him. Right. So, I mean, they fuck this up so much. So they make a play for for Deshaun Watson. Then before they know whether this play for Deshaun Watson is gonna go well, mm. they insult Baker Mayfield saying we're looking for an adult. We don't mind if that adult is a rapist. Mm-hmm. But um but so then Baker says, Well, I want to transfer. They then failed to get Deshaun Watson, mainly apparently just because he didn't want to go to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But then they they realise they've now insulted their present quarterback made a public play that they're willing to have a sex offender, but the sex offender said, I think I've got better standards than you, mate. <laughs> uh, so they then have to absolutely sell the farm and give him the biggest contract that any player's ever had in his life and give them two two first-round picks for a player that's not going to play. Yeah. It's the most... Cleveland thing. Yeah. I feel for their fans, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a rough go when you when you you got you've gone from winning no games to like winning a couple of games to being playoff team. Yeah, and you're still the third. And beating your neighbours. And you yeah exactly beating your neighbours and then you're still like the fourth best team in that. In that, I mean maybe Pittsburgh this you know now that Ben's gone, but yeah, being a Cleveland also Cleveland is a depressing place at the best of times. Baker should go to Pittsburgh. That'd be great. Do you know what? That'd be the most Baker thing because that's like the chippiest cuntiest thing you could do yeah and that feels right for him oh please let it happen that'd be great wouldn't it oh god do you think but you know, you know your boy you, you love mike tomlin i do so do you think mike tomlin would do anything other than laugh at the idea of baker mayfield being in charge of his offense he's better than what he's got he is but you, i think because mike tomlin's in a unique position in the league where he has job security yeah. that other coaches just don't have yeah so I feel like Never my, having a losing season gives you that. Helps. Definitely helps. Mm. That, my friend, is balling. <laughs> Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> Not balding. Balling. Um, so I think that of all the coaches in the league, he could ride out 
a year or two while they figured mm. out a draft situation or, you know, a longer term trade that was more strategic for them. I don't think of all the teams in the league, they have to go like, right, he's the only guy available to play this position. Yeah. Well, but Baker's not that bad, though, is he? Well, the thing is, I was always a big fan of his coming in. He did so well at Oklahoma and he played in a pro system there. And when he's really good is when he's got a running game play, and he's built off play action, play action pass. Right. That's when he's really yeah. good. Limited options, just pick the right option, arrows. Where he goes awry, I think, is when a coach, when he asks the coach for more responsibility and the coach says yes. Right. So he wouldn't. Well, I don't think Tomlin would say yes. And Baker might agree. But he also might have this level of ego that's just like, nah, I'm the guy who broke. I don't know if he is that. I don't think he. Do you not think? I think think Baker's, Baker's ego is out of control. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a. I think he's going to end up being a good coach one day because I think I think he's got this thing where he can see the game, but his physical limitations don't allow him to execute some of the things he can see. What do you think his physical limitations are? Well, he's got you know he's, he's a shorter dude. Mm-hmm. He's got his arm strength isn't as um, you know hasn't got the velocity some of the guys right. have got. hasn't got just the physical stature to stand there and like throw, throw off platform, right. take a hit. But I think his the way he sees the game, obviously he thinks he can do some of those things, right. but just not physically always capable of delivering. Whereas when you put him in a situation where it's like, just you've got two options, just hit the open guy. Right. He's got great accuracy. Uh-huh. So if, if he could swallow that pride and play that way. But then again, I'm not sure what Pittsburgh's running game is going to be like this year. Right? Yeah, I don't know who's they're going to be running that. So, well, good good offensive line. And that yeah. that, that basically is the, is the, the decision factor of... Yeah. Because you can pick any college running yeah. back and like stick them by a good offensive line. And that. that that has become evident, isn't it? I mean, if you go to the the, the terribleness of the draft pick that is Saquon Barkley, um, yeah, yeah, that is how you pronounce his first name. What did I just call him? Saquon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he's a I think he's a starter in a restaurant. Or, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have the Saquon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Saquon Barkley. Him. Yeah. Um, a baller. Yeah. Absolutely a baller, but a good running back in a shit team is useless. Useless. Whereas if everything else is right, you pretty much can put anybody together. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like the, it's, you know, I actually watched Saquon um, at Penn State and he's like head and shoulders, you know, athletically better than everybody else. And that just doesn't translate to the NFL. You're never going to be athletically that much better than the defensive end you're trying to outrun or the cornerback you're trying to get around. So, yeah, I agree. It was a ridiculous pick, almost as ridiculous as Daniel Jones yeah. a year later. Um, I think, the, I, I wonder, like, when, you think, when do you think the NFC East is going to recover? Slash, is it ever going to recover? I mean, it's, look, people, I mean, they're in a shambles at the moment, but they still have more World Cup, uh, World Cup, um, more Super Bowl victories than anybody else. They're mm-hmm. the only division that all four have won a Super Bowl. True. So they they still are the the but they're, they're yeah they're a shambles at the moment. But they feel like the um they feel like the, they feel like the broadcast television or the manufacturing industry of the NFL, where it's like in the eighties and nineties we were a big deal. Right. I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's always like cool West Coast kids who are uh, um you know move the game on a little bit. Yeah. Instagramming their way to success. Yeah. Yeah, you make a good point. Yeah. I'm a I'm 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 gonna be fascinated to see although the uh the one team on the East Coast I feel most sorry for, well the fans I feel most sorry for, is the Jets. 
Right. Not just because they're terrible, but because of all the people when Tom Brady unretired, of all the fan groups, that Jets nation must have been like, no, <laughs> he's back. <laughs> you can't do this to us. It's been 23 years. <laughs> you have to just fuck off. You have to just fuck off. We've got over this. I'm glad he's back because I want to see him be shit. Yeah. Yeah. I was devastated that he got to retire on top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 would be, it would be funny if Tampa were terrible, but similar to the Jets scenario, the rest of that division is not great. Yeah. Like the, uh, the NFC South is just not too hot. So like Carolina rubbish, Saints are Sean Payton and Sean Payton's just like throwing the towel in. Yeah. What is going on? Because the Saints and the uh, Falcons have to live with the fact that they tried to get a sex offender and didn't. <laughs> the only thing worse than hiring a sex offender a quarterback is having a sex offender tell you. No. <laughs> no. Not you. He did not align with my values. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that about, um, I saw, you see, Philip Morris pulled their cigarettes from Russia. And I thought, you know, you fucked up when Big Tobacco's like, this does not align with our values. Yeah. <laughs> Similar thing. <laughs> yep. Um, right. The only other couple of things going on in the NFL, just remember to wrap up. Um, um, Kyle Shanahan massively pumping up Trey Lance. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these are tropes of the offseason, aren't they? Yeah. And they're going to be our stock in trade for the next yeah. five months, unfortunately. But yeah, saying so he's seeing the game faster. And yeah. Uh, he's doing amazing things in training. Yeah. I don't think, it, you don't even need to save your oxygen. Yeah. Maybe Kyle Shanahan's gone to the Eddie Jones school of public speaking, yeah. where you just like pick a fictional thing you would like to be true and just <laughs> say it. Just say it. Just say it. Trey Lance can hit laser beams with his eyes. I really. <laughs> I really would like sports coaches to stop reading The Secret. <laughs> if you manifest it, if you manifest it, it will happen. <laughs> Great. Perfect. That's been another episode of I'll Check Balls. Thanks very much. Cheers.